Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I get to sit with Scott Holden. Scott is a CMO who has spent the last few stops of his career at two rocket ships. One we all know, Salesforce. The other, you are going to hear more and more about ThoughtSpot. ThoughtSpot is redefining analytics, and we spend a lot of the chat today talking about modern day analytics. One of Scott's campaigns is this idea that dashboards are dead, and I love that. I love that disruptive approach to marketing and the disruptive approach to the solutions that we crave as marketers and any product that we may be bringing to market. And a lot of that for Scott comes from his start in Salesforce, where he talks himself about learning about disruption and really going after that emotional sale from people like Mark Benioff himself. We spend a lot of time talking about what made him the type of CMO he is today, the type of chances he took, and the type of chances he continues to take as the world of analytics changes. I mean, we talk about something that I can't wait, which is the idea that we as marketers could just jump into a solution and ask questions like we do Google to find out how our business needs to adapt. This is an exciting episode for anyone thinking about the career path they take or the way they look through analytics. Tune in right now, my chat with Scott Holden. Scott, I really appreciate you jumping in to chat with me today, and I'm excited to dig into how you landed as the CMO at ThoughtSpot. And, and you know, for those who don't know, this is a company over 600 people, around 100 million in ARR. So it seems like okay, that's a logical company to join. But you left Salesforce for a company that was just starting off. How did you have the confidence or vision to choose this one? First of all, thanks for having me on, Randy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's funny when I when I look back in time at my transition from Salesforce to ThoughtSpot, leaping out of a place like that into a company that was zero revenue certainly looked like a crazy move, I think in in historical context. But at the time, I had a world class education at at Salesforce. You know, I I saw it grow from fifteen hundred people to almost twenty thousand during my time there. So you know, just incredible amount of things to pick up and learn. And I felt like I was ready to kind of build something from scratch and live the Silicon Valley dream, if you will, and build something from nothing into something. And I spent a while, you know, I kind of got the itch and I, I probably looked around for about a year, um, just kind of keeping my eyes on things, talking to people here and there. As a marketer, we're all storytellers. I feel like we have to be invested and passionate about the stories we're telling or else it kind of comes across as phony. It wasn't until I met uh, Ajit, our co-founder and executive chairman at ThoughtSpot that I thought there was a company that just seemed magical to me. You know, I got bought into the product vision, but I also got bought into the technical chops of the co-founders as well as the culture of the company. And so as much as it, um, it might've looked on paper like a crazy leap, when I saw the, the differentiation of the tech and the story that we could tell the analytics market, I felt like it was a no-brainer and something I had to throw my hat in the ring to, to go after. 
And for everyone's uh, perspective, if they haven't checked yet on LinkedIn, I mean, you, you had seven years at Salesforce, which explains the type of growth you got to see that, that you alluded to in terms of headcount and, and you know, projects that you got to you know, take on. As you look back, what, what was it at Salesforce that groomed you to be a marketing leader right out of the gate at a startup and now today a company that's you know, got, a, got a lot of potential even going forward? Yeah, I learned so much from the time at, at Salesforce. I ran product marketing for a number of different product lines while I was there. So I ran marketing for the, their flagship sales application. I launched their chatter collaboration application. Some of your listeners may remember that. Uh, I ran industry marketing, content marketing, you know, the free trial. I mean, there wasn't, I actually started off writing slides for Mark Benioff, the CEO for the Dreamforce keynotes. And so you know, I got to do a little bit of everything. The last two years I was running marketing for their platform business, which is custom application development. You know, I think the the place where Salesforce is so strong is number one, Mark as a CEO is just somebody who is, he's a, a marketer at heart. And so he leans heavily into the marketing side of things. And I, I think many people would argue that sales and marketing kind of drive the engine that is Salesforce. But I got a world-class education from him on PR and to never stop thinking bigger. You know, Mark's number one driver was always, you're thinking too small, you're thinking too small. When I arrived, we were a, kind of a one-trick pony. We were a, a Salesforce automation company trying to become a multi-application platform company. And we were pretty early on that journey. It was basically, you know, early, early stage. And yet through, you know, force of will and storytelling, we made it happen. And I, I think one of the things that I took away from that experience is that the, you know, a great story can not only inspire a market, but it can inspire the internal organization as well. And so I think by turning that story into something that people could really get their heads around, it motivated the entire company and therefore the industry to see what we were capable of. It's a, it's a great uh, lesson to learn from it, as you put it, you know, someone who cared a lot about marketing in, in marketing. I've, I've chatted with some of the other uh, people who have assumed the CMO role or various marketing leadership roles under Mark. And as they put it, he always had his hand in it for good or bad at, at different times. But how were you able to bring in a big idea like that into, into ThoughtSpot where, you know, is it more the ability to be big and bold at the beginning, or is it now the ability to be big and bold at hundred million plus in their ARR. Where do you have more ability to, you know, flex your muscle, if you will? Mark just inspired people to think bigger. And I'll, I'll give one example, um, Dreamforce, right? And, and Dreamforce, probably the biggest lesson I took away from that whole, I did eight, eight tours of duty behind the curtain at Dreamforce, kind of as a person working at Salesforce and marketing, you have a bit of a love-hate relationship with that event because it's such a colossal amount of work yet after it's done, you know, you look back and go, man, that's some of the best things I've ever done. And I'm so proud of the work. And the thing that I took away from it most was that it forced the entire company into action, not just, you know, obviously it created a lot of pipeline and there was a lot of thought leadership and the press was there and, and all of that you'd expect from a big event. But what I, I appreciated the most from it is how much it drove strategy and execution, execution within the four walls of Salesforce. And that kind of aha moment probably didn't kick in until I'd done a few of them, just, just how much it drove our speed. Uh, because you, once you have Dreamforce on the counter, you can't move it. And you got to come up with something big 
to tell the world. And so it forced us to do that. And sometimes there was a lot of art to how we did that. Uh, and so that was a really powerful experience for me that is just one example of something I've brought to ThoughtSpot, where at ThoughtSpot, you know, I've been there a little over six years now, and we're about to do our fourth annual customer conference. And so pretty early on in my journey, like three years in, like the company, you know, I joined at Zero Revenue, I was like, we need to have a customer conference because I want a bigger stage to tell our story. And I want to create that kind of lightning strike moment inside the company to, you know, help motivate us and to, to tell a story on a big stage and, and, and make that magic happen. And I don't think I would have had that confidence to do that had I not seen how powerful of a mechanism it was at Salesforce. Is it, you're so right. And, and I can relate as well. And we've, we've done similar things at Uberflip where we've had our big conference and for all the things it does in the market, as you just hit on, it also really reunites your team. I, I remember we would say to ourselves, if only we could start every hire the week of our conference, our dream course, if you will, because it was the best onboarding to what we did, what we believed in, the passion from our customer base. So it's, I, I agree with you, it's uniting in so many unique ways. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a force on multiple fronts. Absolutely. Well, listen, Scott, we're going to keep going here. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with you to talk a little bit more about the buyer journey here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. I got to pause here and just pick up on what Scott's hitting on with Mark Benioff in a book that I encourage everyone to read, whether you're in marketing or whether you just are intrigued by businesses is Behind the Cloud. It's a great tell all about how Salesforce scaled up to the type of company we know it to be today. And within it, they talk about this idea of disruption. And Mark Benioff really tried to disrupt in terms of this idea of traditional software and the way he hijacked events and everything that became Dreamforce, Salesforce as a brand. Check it out. Definitely plays off everything Scott's talking about right now. We're back here on The Marketer's Journey with Scott Holden. Now, Scott, help me understand a little bit about what ThoughtSpot does without too much of a product pitch, but you know, we're gonna talk about analytics here in the second half. And I want people to understand the world of analytics that you find yourself. Sure. Yeah, so ThoughtSpot's an analytics software company. There are a lot of analytics companies out there, but our vision is to make analytics as easy as your favorite application and to make it so that you know, as business people, we're not just passive consumers of dashboards that, you know, the data team built for us, but that we can actually create and interact 
with our data in a much easier way than you can with other products. And that takes us into all kinds of use cases and opportunities to help companies build better data-driven cultures. So I, I like the way you set that up, and I'm going to give you a tough time on one of the words that you used, mainly because I loved something on your website. You had this really bold statement that dashboards are dead. So that, that aligns well with this idea that a lot of times, as marketers at least, we think analytics are important, but I don't even know where to begin, and I don't know which dashboards to look at. You know, What is a way that someone's using analytics today in a very, you know, business operations focused approach. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm glad you picked up on uh, that campaign we're running. It's actually been one of our, our best campaigns, you know, for as, as prevalent as dashboards are out there, it's amazing how many people despise them. When we say dashboards are dead, what we mean is that they've become kind of these dry, stale, static relics that are kind of out of the box, canned windows uh, that are great for a point in time, but they fall victim to the tyranny of averages, which means that like, you know, you may, Randy, have someone at your beck and call who can build a dashboard that you want to see, but I bet there are people on your team that would like to go deeper. They'd like to explore their segment of the business and be able to do that, you know, not just once a week when the reports come out, uh, they want to do that in the moment, in the second, right after the campaign launches. And so that's what we mean by dashboards are dead. We believe that analytics should be interactive. It should be easy for business people to explore insights on the fly, drill into their into their analytics, their charts, get insights pushed to them on the fly. And that way of doing things is, when we talk to our customers, it's not just a technological thing, it's an entirely new cultural phenomenon about how people use data and, and what they expect from their data in the moment. So we, we talked a lot about your history at Salesforce. And you know one thing I think that all of us maybe did love about Salesforce was the way it helped us centralize everything. One thing we maybe hated was some of the reporting. Uh, and, and the dashboards in there were, were definitely the relics that you speak to. Uh, you know, I know I would pull one up and this idea of, okay, well, I see a whole bunch of numbers, but how do they relate? Help us understand how you've seen someone use data today, use analytics in a way that allows them to contribute in a meeting or inform the CEO on the strategy that they need to go. Like, can you give me a real life example? Totally. It's funny, as, as the, a former marketer in charge of marketing old dashboards of, at Salesforce, I can relate. We've all been, I think it was that ex- personal experience of mine watching the spinny wheel, you know, whether it was using Salesforce or Tableau or business objects, some of these products, you know, they've, they've advanced their industries in, in, incredibly far, but they're really slow and hard to use. And so that's one of the things that got me excited about Thoughts But Upfront. And I'll give a little more context. So we have a search experience. You could type, you know, how many leads did we get last week by region and a chart pops up. So think of it like ThoughtSpot is like Google, Google for numbers. And so it's a different interaction paradigm just to build insights. And then once you have them, because of the way we're architected, you can kind of explore in any different dimension. So you might pull up a chart that's got, that someone else created and it's, you know, let's just call it leads by week. And you can right click and drill into that by campaign, by product, by rep, you, you can kind of follow to your heart's content. And for anybody in the data world knows that like normally that requires somebody thinking ahead and pre-aggregating and doing all that in advance. You don't have to do that with us. And so it enables people to really explore freely. To your question about like, what's a good example? I'll, I'll just, I'll give you one from my team. You know, we're, we're helping a lot of the biggest companies in the world, like Walmart, Verizon, Caterpillar, 
Wells Fargo, you know, some of the biggest brands rely on ThoughtSpot to make their companies more data-driven. But I'll give you an example on my team because it's more marketing specific. Oftentimes as marketers, we fall victim to basically vanity metrics and where, you know, it's like, I want to see a chart that goes up and to the right. And like, why is this doing this? And why is this doing that? And in the absence of the detail behind it, you don't really have any leg to stand on. But if you, if like, let's say your CEO says, why isn't this chart up and to the right? And like, I want to, you know, what that does is it forces marketers to start doing things to just move the vanity metric, right? It's like, okay, we just need more leads. So let's, let's do more list buys. Let's do, you know, some of the, what we all know to be less yielding things just to hit the vanity metric. And so if in that same meeting, you can say like, well, you know, the volume may not be where you want it this week, but let me tell you that that campaign that's contributing most of the volume this week is converting it twice the average that we'd expect. And it's doing it at a lower cost rate. And to be able to show that in the meeting, just with a click and say, drill in and say, let's, let's look at this by conversion rate. Let's look at it by channel. The trust oftentimes with marketers, like we feel like we need to prove our worth to CEOs and like, let's face it, our jobs are complicated and it's not easy to do that. If you can have data at your side behind you in those meetings, it just changes the whole like tenor of, of the conversation and the relationship. That's a, that's a great example. I mean, honestly, you had me at the beginning of your answer where you said that I could just type in like a Google question as to what my data was doing. I mean, that, that sounds like a dream come true just to be able to ask the questions of our business and get answers versus having to interpret charts and, and whatnot. I mean, that's, that is ultimately the dream. I, I want to shift, you know, last few minutes here, Scott, and I want to ask you more on the idea of how you go to market, because I, I know an interesting part about ThoughtSpot is, you know, for the last, I, I know you've been there almost seven years from the beginning, a lot of it was more of an on-premise type of solution to now you're more of a SaaS offering. And I'm wondering how you shift your go-to-market when you've built up so many customers, so much revenue. How do you balance multiple go-to-market strategies when it's ultimately the same outcome, I assume? Yeah, and that's the beauty of analytics is you can, you know, we all need it. And so you can sell it to every industry and every department. When ThoughtSpot got started, though, we were selling software. And that meant you either had to deploy us on-prem or in your private cloud. And I'm sure for the marketers listening today, if I told you, yeah, it's really easy to get started. You just, you know, go get deploy us on your AWS instance and off you go. The first thing you're going to think about is, man, this is an IT project. I got to get the, some other team involved. This is going to be hard to stand up. And in big companies where the center of data gravity was on-prem, that was a, a motion that worked well for us. And we'd go sell the centralized data teams and we had a lot of success selling to the world's largest companies. And then as we've evolved, we really wanted to have more of a foothold in the mid-market and to be able to sell to CMOs like many of the folks listening here without having to get you know, a heavy lift IT project underway. And so in the middle of COVID, well, we did two things. About two years ago, we made the decision that we were only going to run on top of cloud data warehouses. So the likes of Snowflakes mm -hmm. and Databricks. And so that was step one. And we made that shift a couple of years ago. And then about nine months ago, we said, hey, let's let's move, make the full move to SaaS. And when you do that, I can now actually, you know, talk to all of you listening and say, hey, you can get started with ThoughtSpot, you know, super easy and not have to worry about all the complexity of deploying software. And so that's, 
been a massive shift for us over the last couple of years. And I love the marketer's journey concept here. That has certainly been a big journey for us. It's an exciting one though, because it, it used to be top down. We were, you know, we were total pros and built an engine around ABM. And now we're, we're, we've made this huge switch to product-led growth and bottoms up. And we're still running them in parallel, which I think is actually also something we could spend a while talking about because doing two motions at once is hard. But it's been a massive transition and one that's opened a number of doors. And with it, we've seen you know faster sales cycles, engagement across new audiences, all the good stuff you'd expect when you make such a big transition. That's great. Really interesting and, and interesting, as you put it as well there, this shift to product-led growth, which is something that I've heard a couple of our guests talk about in recent months, uh, you know, really on the rise and everyone trying to figure out how they, you know, build their funnel in a more organic, it's almost like the new inbound, if you will. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, some of these companies that have emerged, you know, the physics of these businesses, when you get a word of mouth flywheel going with a product that sells itself, I mean, it's hard to argue with, and I think you've seen that happen across the industry. And so that's something that we saw. And the analytics market, fortunately for us, with the rise of these different data cloud platforms, matured enough where we could actually go build an experience on cloud data that could lead to a product-led motion. It really wasn't possible before. Like sometimes I'm talking to people and they're like, yeah, you're moving to SaaS now? Like what year is it? And I have to laugh, but in the data world, like data's been on-prem. You know, if they did a survey recently where it finally crossed the tipping point where you know, the global 2000 are now have 50% of their data in the cloud. And that just happened last year. It's kind of a mental shift that you have to you know, factor into the, into the calculus. But in our world, in data and analytics, it's created this opportunity that is right now. And so that's what's super exciting about this shift for us. Amazing. Well, Scott, we're going to keep you around. We've got a few more rapid fire questions. We'll take one more break here on the marketer's journey. can't stop thinking about this idea that Scott dropped just before, which is, can we get to a point as marketers where we don't have to look at a dashboard? We don't have to pull up these insights and try and interpret them, but rather we can ask questions the way we do to a solution like Google. You know, we go into Google and we ask the problems that we're trying to solve and they give us that immediate answer. I mean, we don't even have to go too far beyond the first page anymore. We expect that first result to give us the insight. And I think that's where we need to get with analytics. We have to stop having to search. We need analytic platforms to serve up the answers to questions that we have in terms of how to run our business best. Really fascinating approach. All right, Scott, we are at our final segment here together. We've talked about your career. We've talked about the buyer journey within that data. We've got a few more data points, though, to get from you through rapid fire. First question, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's do this. Okay, so we hit on the fact that you came from product marketing to get where you are today. And you also talked about the importance of product-like growth. So the product marketing, without a doubt, helped you. My question for you is, Future marketing leaders who want to get to that CMO level you're at today, should they become more of a generalist or specialize in an area of marketing to get there? I'm more of a generalist type of guy. I tell people that marketing is my third career. And so I was a banker and then in operations and marketing. And I think the 
I think you need to spend time in different parts of marketing. That's what makes it so cool. So do your tours of duty in different areas, but make sure you mix it up. Don't go too deep into one because I think the best marketing leaders that I've seen have had a broad experience across the board. Beauty. All right. My next question for you is what is the one thing you wish the marketers on your team would do more of? Well, something that I get greedy about is kind of near and dear to my heart around analytics. You know, one of the, the powerful things about working at ThoughtSpot is that we all use our own technology. And so I can never get enough. So I push people to dig into the details, use data as competitive advantage and bring it into every meeting. I'll continue to do that. Love it. All right. So we talked about what's near and dear to your heart being data. What's near and dear to mine is content. Tell me what you associate with as great content these days. How does it cut through for you? Well, content is an interesting game. I, I, um, there are a few different dimensions to it and all the marketers out there will agree. First of all, I think it's gotta be eye-catching like, you know, in, in social media world, if, if you don't have creative that's delivering heavy payload, you're going to miss the boat. I'd say another dimension is it's gotta be fresh. Like we all get inundated with tons of stuff, right? And so if you're not coming up with a clever, unique way to do something, you're going to miss the boat. And then the, you know, especially for tech, you know, companies today, you got to make it emotional, right? Like you, we, we talked about our dashboards as dead campaign. Like we wanted to strike a nerve with that campaign um, and touch on an emotional feeling that our buyers have and, and it's clearly worked. And so tapping into that is another key. I love it. I love that emotional hit and, and I couldn't agree more. I rally my team for the exact same goal at the end of the day is how we grab people in. All right. Another question for you, when you think about a tip for marketers, you've been us a lot of them, but you know, let's go back to the data side of it. How should marketers think about using data differently to maximize the impact of the actual programs like the one you just referred to? Well, the power of like this generation of analytics technology is that you can get into details in a way that you never could before. And I'll, I'll, I'll maybe describe two dimensions to it. Number one is that with the rise of these cloud data platforms, like a Snowflake or a Databricks, people are pulling different sources together and analyzing across them in ways that they never could before. If you were just in your CRM application, you kind of got one slice of the world, but now you can bring CRM with marketing automation, with website data, with product data, and you can look at it all together. And that's a, a huge new dimension. But the other is that if you're looking at a campaign or, in, or you're looking across all those things, you can look at full funnel as a result and you can get into the details. I love looking at how a specific campaign is impacting a specific account. And I'll drill into the account and the titles and the geographic location of the people. And I'll do it on the fly. Things that I you couldn't have done this even five years ago. And that due to the performance of these technologies. And so that's been a that's been a big breakthrough. When I see people getting to that level of granularity, uh, that's where the real insights come from. And that's how people do things differently than they've done in the past. I love that answer. I've got one last question for you. This kind of brings our, our discussion full circle. We've talked again about you know the journeys of a career, the journeys of a buyer. How about from the personal side? When you look to disconnect, how do you do it? And where do you hope to take that journey next? What's the next big personal vacation? Oh man, I um, well, I'm coming out of what's been a, a grueling period of life where I've got two little girls that are seven and five, and I, I feel like a lot of me time has been put on hold for a while. But I'm starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel, and so a couple of passions of mine are, are skiing and golf, 
And so I just bought a new set of golf clubs uh, for the first time in 30 years. I've got a ski trip on the books to go skiing in Canada in March and do the whole backcountry thing, which I've never done before. And so uh, it's been a long time. I hope my body uh, holds up, but those are two super exciting things that I've got lined up. I love it. Well, I look forward to welcoming you here in Canada when that time comes. Couldn't agree more with you with a good ski. Great way to take a break. This has been so much fun, Scott. I really appreciate everything you did to share with us. If you're listening in for the first time, check out all the other journeys that have been shared. Everyone's is a little bit unique. And one day I hope you'll share your journey as a guest. Until next time, this has been The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.